It was 10 years ago, December 21st, just a few days before Christmas. It had been an exceptionally busy year for me, so I hadn't got the chance to put up uh, any lights outside my house for the holiday. I remember my roommate coming up to me very late that night, almost midnight. That's what you do before you're married and have kids. He said this, man, Christmas is almost here and we still don't have lights on our house. We have got to get out there and just do it. I was like, what, when? Now? It's, it's freezing, it's late, no way. But being a lover of exterior illumination, Christmas lights, I let him talk me into it with one condition. We are not getting on the roof of my two-story house at midnight to hang Christmas lights on December 21st. And so I, I told you guys in the email that I would show you a picture of my house 10 years ago. That is not it. That is a house on Jason Drive in East Ridge. This is what me and my friend ended up with. You see Bucky there, that's the deer. His headlights, not actual headlights, but the, the lights of his head are not working. I don't know what that's all about. He, by the way, later got stolen. That's how uh, cool of an item he is. He got stolen out of my yard. And then you can see exactly how high we could reach <laughs> to hang the lights. And it wasn't quite to the gutter. And that's exactly how we left them until somewhere in February. I mean, I, we weren't gonna just leave them up for a few days. You know, we had to get the, the full use out of them. But that, that's the idea is it was late, it was busy, it was cold, but we did it. We got our Christmas lights up as poorly done as it was. They were out there. So why do I tell you this, this silly, somewhat embarrassing story about hanging Christmas lights 10 years ago? It is to drive home the fact that we love lights at Christmas time. Whether it's candles glowing in our windows, trees glistening in the corner of our living room, or really badly done Christmas lights on the front of our house, we love Christmas lights. I mean, we have them in here right now in the sanctuary. We love Christmas lights. It adds to our cheer. It brings some, some warmth and joy to our heart. And so the question I want to, to investigate today is why? Why this, this deep connection between Christmas and lights? Why are we so obsessed with them? Now, I don't plan to answer why everyone is obsessed with Christmas lights, but what I want to show you is that Christmas lights really should bring us joy. And I'm not talking about just a brief momentary glimpse of, of, of fuzzy feelings. I'm talking about deep, sustaining, lasting joy. And so my desire is that as we look at God's word today and investigate this question today, that you will never look at Christmas lights the same again. That is my desire. So let's pray and ask God to do that. Father God, we know that you are glorious beyond everything in this universe. We know that you are more all-satisfying, more joy-giving than anything in this world. And so God, if these little dinky LED lights can put joy and happiness in our hearts, how much more can you? God, we don't want to be satisfied. We don't want to stop with our little Christmas trees and glowing snowmen. We want to look at the God of the universe today. 
We want to be astounded by the true Christmas light. God, I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the question is, why do we love lights at Christmas time? And why should we love lights at Christmas time? And so we want to hear from God's word why that is. And so here is what we're going to see. Say goodbye to my old house. Number one, Christmas is about the light entering darkness. Christmas at its core is about the light entering darkness. See, when we think about the Christmas story, it's often the nativity story and Jesus' birth in Bethlehem that comes to mind. We may think of the shepherds and a baby lying in a manger. And, and those are certainly true. That, that, that is the truth. That is what happened. And you can find those uh, in, in the gospel, that, that story. But in the gospel of John, John takes a much different approach to the Christmas story. He's still telling the Christmas story. It's still the same story, but he is most concerned with showing us the meaning behind the Christmas story. And I, by the way, would say that about the Gospel of John in general. He, he wasn't worried just about the miracles, but the meaning behind the miracles. He wasn't, anyway, he, that's what he did. He, he looked at what is really going on behind the veil of God's, uh, of God's work here. And so... John's gospel, as we see what, what we could, could consider the Christmas story in John's gospel, is all about light. It is all about the light entering darkness. In just the first eight verses of John, he actually uses the, the word light seven times. And I'll just give you a, a little snippet of what he says there. Uh, in verses 4 and 5, John chapter 1, 4 and 5, in him, Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Verse 14, and the Word, which is another name for the light, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory or you could say light, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Christmas. This is the light entering darkness. Now, when you think about the word light in the Bible, it's a metaphor. I've got uh, this here. Light in the Bible is a metaphor for the knowledge of reality, for moral purity, and true life in relationship with with God. If you just go through, I did a bunch of study on this. These are kind of the things that you can just narrow it down to. It's the, the knowledge of reality. You see truth. The light is there, right? We talk about a light clicking on in your head. That's, that's what that's talking about. You have knowledge of reality, moral purity. We walk in the light in this relationship with God, life in relationship with God. This is what Jesus was. Jesus was the true light coming into our dark world. Now, here's the thing. We can't rightly be stunned by the light, the beauty, the worth, the value of this light until we understand the horror and terror of the darkness we were in. We cannot properly celebrate the sunrise until we understand how terrible the night really 
is and was. And so we have the light entering darkness. So what is darkness? Well, if light reveals the knowledge of reality, then darkness is a debilitating blindness to what is true, a darkened mind, you might say. If light is moral purity, then darkness is disobedience and depravity, walking in darkness, you might say. And if light, sorry, yeah, light, if light is life and relationship with God, then darkness is terrible death apart from God. And this is the state that the Bible says humanity was in and to a large degree still is in, and we'll get to that. But this darkness began for humanity at the Garden of Eden. I mean, when, when God created mankind, Adam and Eve, they were happy, whole, living in the light and in the knowledge of God's presence in relationship with him. But on that fateful day, we all know about Adam and Eve turned their backs on the light. They chose to believe Satan's lies rather than the truth. They chose to walk in darkness rather than in God's path. They chose spiritual death rather than the fullness of life only God could provide. So Adam and Eve were plunged into deep darkness. God said, on the day that you eat of it, if you disobey me, you will surely die. And they did. It was the darkness of this spiritual death. And so not only did, were Adam and Eve plunged into this deep darkness, but the darkness spread and enveloped all humanity after them. This is having no knowledge of what is truly true, what is more than the eye can see. This is walking in sin and depravity. This is no life from a relationship with God. This is the human condition. We were born into this, born in darkness, born believing lies, born walking in sin and separation from God. And so you think about the dark, the cold, the gloomy, the destitute night. This is what sin brought upon us all. This is what we were living in, what we were walking in. And this is why there was such agonizing expectation in the Bible. You look at the prophets and there was so often this, this agonizing desire for a savior. And God had promised a savior. One great example of this is the prophet Isaiah. About 300 years before Jesus came, Isaiah prophesied these words of what people would experience in the future. You can see that on the screen up there. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. He says, this will happen. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep, deep darkness, on them has light shone. And then verse 6, just skipping a few verses. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. So Isaiah was connecting the birth of this child with a great light shining on those in terrible darkness. This was the agonizing expectation, the agonizing hope. They desired this so much to happen because of the deep darkness they were in. 
Then, just six months, I've got it up on the screen as well, just six months before this child was born in Bethlehem, Zechariah summarized what Jesus' birth was going to mean. I love the way he words this. Uh, Luke 1, 78 and 79, the sunrise shall visit us from on high. That's, that's from God. The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And that's exactly what happened on that lonely night in the little town of Bethlehem. See, the Christmas story isn't just about a baby coming into this world. It is about the light coming into our darkness. This is what Christmas is really about. To use Zechariah's words, it's as though the sunrise was finally breaking in, streaming in over the hillside after the longest, most terrible, gloomy night. Finally, those beams of light, it's coming. This is what it was for Jesus to come. And it says that he was going to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Think about that, by the way, the shadow of death. That's, they're just waiting for eternal death to come upon them. They're already spiritually dead, but the shadow of death is just waiting. It's coming. Light shining in. This is what Jesus is. He was going to guide our feet to the way of peace with his shining light. Jesus is the light, was the light at that Christmas entering our darkness. But here's what we got to understand. I, I'm all about Christmas. I love the story of Jesus' birth. I love the sunrise, but it didn't stop there. The sun kept rising, the light kept entering, and it rose to full noonday. We see later in Jesus' ministry, John 8, 12, he says, I am, that by the way is a Yahweh statement, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have what? The light of life. No longer sitting in the shadow of death. No longer sitting in the agony of darkness. They will have the light of life. This is the most incredible, astounding, joy-producing declaration from Jesus. I'm not going to shine a light. I am the light. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Now, you might ask, well, Jesus coming in and him being the light, you know, coming in as a human, that's cool. And I believe it. I believe that he was full of, of knowledge of reality. I believe he walked in full moral purity. I believe he had that perfect relationship with God. But how does Jesus being the light help me? We're, we're still in deep darkness. How, how, does, how does that change my inner darkness, my heart, my sin debt that deserves the darkness of eternal death. How does Jesus, the light coming in as a baby, help that? It's cute. It's, it's great that we get to celebrate it, but, but what good does that do me when I'm sitting in the shadow of death? Well, here's what we need to understand. The cradle of Jesus' birth was but the pathway to the cross of Jesus' death and resurrection. You say, well, what's that have to do with the light? It has everything to do with the light. Because on that cross, the light hung there and took our darkness upon him. Look at what it says in Mark 15, 
verses 33 and 34. I don't think it moved forward. Yeah, it did. 33 and 34. This is what it says of Jesus while he's hanging on the cross. So think about it. This is the light of the world. John talked about him coming in. The light was coming in to the darkness. And when the sixth hour had come, so that's noon, the sixth hour of the day, that's noon. When the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? John 19.30, it tells us that just after this, Jesus said, it is finished. The darkness, the, the forsakenness of God has happened to him. It has been finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You need to understand both the horror and the beauty of what happened on the cross. It wasn't just that people hated Jesus, so they killed him. It was the light of the world putting himself up on the cross as a sacrifice to bear, to endure the dark punishment that we deserve. And he did three hours from 6 p.m. until noon. And we see the nature of that. Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The light of the world, perfect relationship with God. Remember, has God the Father forsake him for those three hours of horror, of agony, of, of, of again, not just physical, but spiritual agony. That's what the darkness represented. The darkness represented the judgment of God that we deserved being poured out on Jesus and this is what Jesus did, but the story does not end there. Praise God. Easter, on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. What does that mean? It means the darkness did not win. It means that the light could not be snuffed out. It means that he had defeated sin, death, and darkness on our behalf. That is the victory Jesus won on the cross. So get this, the light perfect in glory, enters into our well-deserved darkness. Then he endured our darkness. Then he defeated our darkness for us. This is what the light is all about. This is why we celebrate Christmas lights. But I want to tell you, if it ends with trees and snowmen and houses, if that's all you care about, then it will still be a big problem for you. The light will not help you. Your Christmas tree will not save you and you cannot save you. Look at what Jesus says in John, or sorry, what John, yeah, it is Jesus. Jesus says in John uh, chapter three, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. Listen, if you do not trust in Jesus, if you do not turn from your sin and give Jesus your life, if you don't trust him for life and light and righteousness, it's because you love your darkness and sin more than the light. You simply can't let go of them. That, that's you saying, this is better. I can't let go of the lust. I can't let go of the greed. I can't let go of the pride. I can't let go of these things because these things are satisfying me. 
please understand this. Think, think about this logically for a moment. You are in darkness. You are not understanding reality correctly. Those things are not satisfying you. Those things are not pouring into you. They are robbing you. They are bleeding you dry and they are leading you to eternal death and damnation under God's wrath. Do not love the darkness more than the light. Do not love the darkness more than the light. But there is an alternative response and a beautiful response. And this is what brings hope, joy, and peace at Christmas. There is an alternative response. And that is, number two, believe in the light and become the light. Believe in the light. That is Jesus. He calls himself the light and become the light. Again, we cannot create light in ourselves. We cannot cleanse, <clears throat> cleanse ourselves from darkness. We cannot give ourselves true life, but Jesus can. Jesus can. And, and, and so that's why we weren't required to come to God, to go into his light. Who can ascend to God, the Bible says? But God descended to us. The light came to us. And it is absolute stupidity. And I'm with you guys. I do this still. Even it is absolute stupidity to run away from the darkness, to love our light, to hide in the shadows. The best possible thing we can do is to come into the light. Jesus says this, John 12, 36, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Again, for the, for the light to make any difference at all, we must believe in, come into the light. We put our faith and hope in Jesus. That means that we recognize that, that our sin and darkness have separated us from God and will drag us to eternal death. That's, that's part of it. Then it's believing that the light has come into this world and conquered your darkness on the cross and that he rose from the dead. This is what we believe, and we believe that Jesus is the light of salvation, and we become children of light. We cling to him. And this is an amazing thing, because when you come into the light, everything changes. Everything changes. It means you no longer have to live as a blind person who can't see reality. You see the greatness, the glory of God. You see that he has loved you and saved you in spite of yourself. You have a new capacity for joy and understanding reality when you come into the light. This means you no longer have to walk in the darkness, tripping and stumbling over every temptation to sin that comes in your path. You can walk in the light. You can walk the path that is well lighted when you step into the light. And it means that you can walk in glad obedience. I, I, I know we've hit this the past couple of weeks, but Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. It's, it's, it's Satan that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When, when we talk about walking in the light, walking in obedience, some of us say, oh, that sounds so terrible. I promise you it's not. It is where abundant, where fullness of joy is found. This is what Jesus does. And, and, and really, you, you put it all together, Jesus gives you eternal life and an all-satisfying relationship with him. 
That's, that's what the light is, to, to come into the light, to believe in the light, and to become the light. But there is one more glorious truth. We, we have the master's mission up here. Jesus came in the cradle. He went to the cross. He, he ascended up to heaven, received a crown, but then he sent his Holy Spirit. And here's the amazing thing. <clears throat> when you believe in the light of Christ, you become the light. And when you become the light, you beam the light. Those who become the light will beam the light. This is a beautiful reality. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. What? J Jesus, you just said that I am the light of the world. No, Jesus says of Christians, of those who follow him, those who walk in the light, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It is the nature of light to shine. <laughs> That's what it does. It shines. It gives light to the rest of the house. It gives light to those around them. And so think about this. As you walk in the light, if, as you walk on the path that Jesus uh, shines on for you, as you walk in the right way with glad obedience, others will see that. They will see your attitude. They will hear your words. They will see your actions. And, and, and while they may love their darkness, they'll say, man, there's something about that light that they've got. They, they've got a hope, joy, and peace that I don't know anything about. And it says there, the, the ultimate hope is that they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. But there is more. I would say that it is the, the nature of light to shine, but it is also the nature of light to reveal truth. That's what it does. You, you, you walk into a dark closet, you, you look, you say, is that shirt red or what? And you turn on the light, boom, reveals truth. That's what we are supposed to do as the light as well. We shine, but we also reveal truth. Uh, you, you, you see, let me see what we got here. Nope, next one. Uh, 1 Peter 2.9. I just love the way he talks about this because there's an excitement about it that we should have. You are a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We, we reveal truth. We proclaim ex the excellencies of him who, who not only just shines the light, God is love. No, we also talk about the darkness. He, he, God took me out of my darkness, out of my sin, out of my depravity, out of my death. He did that. He shone his light on me. He forgave me in Jesus Christ who bore my darkness and I have eternal life in him both now and forever. And you can have that too. That's what it is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We shine the light, but we reveal truth as well. We do it all with love, gentleness, and respect. We do this understanding that we deserve the darkness, but we have received light and we want the same for them. This is what light does. And this is the beautiful story of Christmas. The light entered our world. The light endured our darkness. The light defeated our darkness and makes us light. We get to be the tools in God's hand to shine this light of Christ on a dark, dark world.
And this is what Christmas lights should remind us of. This is not just a brief momentary warmth in our, in our, our chest. This is a deep, lasting joy that we should have when we see, when we think about Christmas lights. Because this is all about Jesus Christ, the light entering the darkness. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that we have great reason to celebrate this Christmas and every single day of the year. There, there is hardly anything more pitiable than having a festive time, getting a lot of presents, material things, but being in darkness. To not being able to see truth, to, to being uh, depraved in our minds and in our actions, and to not have a life-giving relationship with you. It is most pitiable to just have presents and parties and food. And so God, we are thank you, so thankful that we celebrate so much more, infinitely more on Christmas. We celebrate the light who entered, who endured, and who defeated our darkness. God, we are so thankful for that. God, help us even now to, to, to recognize where we would be if this light had not come. In the shadow of death. Living in depravity. No relationship with you. Yet your light did break in. Your light did shine. And the sunrise went to full day. And Jesus did go to the cross. And he did bear our darkness. And he did defeat the darkness on the third day, rising from the dead. And so we have hope. We can come into the light. We can be cleansed. We can be transformed. We can be the light to this dark world. We are so thankful for that, God. And I pray that you would... Make us like a city on a hill. That we would not be like a lamp put under a basket, but that we would be like a lamp that gives light to the whole house. So Lord, let us find our satisfaction, hope, peace, and joy in you so that our light will shine brightly in the world around us, God, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors. And if you send us, Lord, to the nations. Oh God, let this light spread. God, we celebrate you today. In the name of Jesus, our light. Amen. Let's stand together. Our tune is Joy to